praise the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. He is worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. And so as we are getting into the word, I want to, I'm really excited about some news that uh, as we are in the Lent season and particularly uh, what we call in the Christian World Holy Week, which is the week from Palm Sunday all the way up through Easter on Good Friday at 6 a.m. We will be starting a virtual 24-hour uh, prayer watch. And so we're really excited about that. If you remember for uh, our 91-year anniversary of the church, we did a 91-hour straight prayer watch and Friday night, which was um, which was Good Friday, was an amazing night where three congregations came together, uh, ourselves, Hilltop, and Olathea. This place was amazing. It seems so long ago, but this place was so packed out, upstairs and downstairs, that people literally could not get in the building. And uh, we're going to be doing that virtually from 6 a.m. on Good Friday to 6 a.m on Saturday, and so you'll be hearing more information, but put that down in your calendar. Also, want to ask uh, our children's question at this moment. So those of you who are children, 17 years old and under, we have um, the question of the week is last week I was, we talked, I preached about the divine encourager, that is who the Holy Spirit is. And I said the word encourage is made up of two Latin words, En, which means in, or into, and cor, C-O-R, uh, which means, and there was three definitions of that word, cor, which uh, Jesus said, and also the rich young ruler said uh, from Mark chapter 12, verse 30, and Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus said, love the Lord with all your H, E-Q, all your M, IQ and all your SGQ. So if you can fill in those blanks, the H, EQ, M, IQ, and SGQ, not the magazine, but GQ, you, you send your answer, child's 17 years old and under, send your answer to the email uh, at the bottom of your screen, and hopefully you'll be one of the prize winners. God bless you. And so at this time, we're going to get into the word. John chapter 16, verse 7 to 11. Nevertheless, and I'm reading from the NIV version. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper... Or the, as we learned, the Passion Translation translates his name, the helper, as the divine encourager, will not come to you. But if I depart, that is, if Jesus depart, I will send him, that is the Holy Spirit, to you. And when he comes, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, convict the world of righteousness, and convict the world of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go 
to my father and you'll see me no more and of judgment because the ruler of this world that is Satan, the devil, is already judged. I'm speaking on a series, You Are Not Alone. This morning I want to do part two, Where Do I Find Good? Part three, we'll talk about why you're doing this job, and then part four will be God's blue truth. Let's bow our heads. Father, I'm asking you, borrowing uh, the prayer of the Apostle Paul, cease not to pray for our people, making mention of them in our prayer. That the God of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, I pray that you give unto all of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts, our hearts, our hearts, be enlightened so that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance that are in us who are your saints. And help us to know the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Also, I borrow Paul's prayer that, my, uh, that also they be prayed and spoke to the church at Corinth. I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit and power that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of man or Brian Green, but in the power of God. I borrow the prayer, the statement that was made in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4, that you would bear witness to my ministry, both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to your will. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 6, 16, verse 7, I want to focus on that and then go into Genesis chapter 1. It is to your advantage, Jesus says, that I go away. When he says to your advantage, other translations or interpretations of that word, to your advantage, the King James says it's expedient. Other definitions say it's profitable. It's advantageous that I go away. It's best for you that I go away. It's for your benefit that it, I go away. It is better for you that I go away. It is a gift that will serve you well if I go away. It will speed things up for you if I go away. It is a good thing, a God thing, if I go away. That's hard to believe as Jesus was walking with these uh, disciples for 12, not 12, but three and a half years. And now he's saying it is going to speed things up if I go away. Then he goes on to say, because if I go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, and other translations of this person of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the one who comes to your aid, the comforter, that word comfort, the one who comes with strength, the friend, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the companion, the paraclete, that is the person who's called along the side to help you will not come. I want to remind us as we are traveling through this scripture and especially in this season that the series is you are not alone. You are not alone. 
when Jesus was about to be birthed, his name was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. But now that he's gone away, he sent the Holy Spirit, who is also God, who's also part of what we call the Trinity. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that he can be with me here in the United States of America at 1230 or 1235 in Massachusetts, but he can also be with our good friends, uh, Pastor Florian and Pastor Marabella in Romania. And though they're seven hours ahead of time, he's there as well. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. And I want to emphasize to you that as even as Elder Albert shared about this pandemic and we're separated, though we are separated, listen to me, you are not alone. You're not alone. Jesus made a promise. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even if you live alone, you are not alone. He is with you. And I want to encourage you in this season, um, as I was praying and just waiting before the Lord, uh, the Lord was saying to me to remind you, especially those of you who are teenagers and Gen Zers, and you know, those of you who are in school right now, and, and uh, the world is saying that this pandemic is going to affect, mock you negatively for maybe, for maybe the rest of your lives. I have news for you. This pandemic is going to mock you for the rest of your lives, but it's going to mock you for good. You can bank on it. It's going to mock you for good. And I'm, I'm going to encourage you parents to, over the next few weeks, to, to make sure that your children are in the room worshiping you, with you because I believe there's an anointing coming through this house uh, from the beginning of service to end that's really going to break yokes and bondages. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, I like the King James Version, it says the anointing destroys the yoke. And I believe supernaturally God is going to do some things. Now, as I said, the title of my sermon is, Where Do I Find Good? Where do I find good? Well, good originates in God. As a matter of fact, if you look up the word good, it is derived from an old English word, which means God. So a good man is a God man. A good woman is a God woman. That's why God was so angry at Israel. And I think it's Numbers chapter 12 or 13 when they came back and they said, yes, the land is good, but it's a land where it kills it devours people because there's giants in the land. And if you read it, the Bible says that God was upset with the, the ten spies who brought an evil report because they, the, the King James says they slandered, they slandered the land. In other words, they called the God land 
a place that was evil. So let's be careful of what words, and we've been sharing, we've heard that in our midnight prayer. Uh, be careful the words that come out of your mouth. Be careful what you say about God. He is always a good God. The question is, it's kind of hard sometimes to find where the good is. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, this is the King James Version, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I love this. God was in the beginning, but the Spirit moved first. Are you following me? And then after the Spirit of God moved, in verse 3, it said, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So I believe that this is a model of how God wants us to live our lives, and that is, in the beginning, God, meaning our Father, what, what, what do you want done? And then it says, uh, the Spirit moved. Before God spoke, the Spirit moved. Right here in the beginning of the Bible, we see the Trinity. Number one, we see God, the Father. Number two, we see God, the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, where's, where's, where's God, the Son? It, it's, it's when God said. When, when God said that the saying, the speaking, the word of God is Jesus. And you may say, well, where's that found? I don't see that. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Begin was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by the word, and without the word was not anything made that was made. And you say, okay, but that's good, but where's Jesus? And then it goes on around verse 12 or 14. It says, and that word became flesh, that is a human being, and lived with us, and we beheld his glory. In other words, the word that became a human being is Jesus. So we see even the Trinity, the, the Godhead working together to create the world. And the Bible says that, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the first day. He said it was good. And throughout that first chapter of Genesis, hear me, hear me, he says it was good. It was good. It was good. And in the sixth day, in the sixth day, uh, in first, sorry, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, he says, it was very good. It was very good. The Lord dropped this word in my heart. Where do I find good? About a week and a half ago. And little did I know how prophetic this question would be. At the midnight prayer, Friday night, which would be Saturday morning, we had a powerful time of prayer. 
had over 30 people on the prayer moment we were there from before 12 midnight to about quarter past 15 past 3 in the morning and some of you say wow that's a long time when you're in the presence of the Lord I don't know about you but I love my wife and when we're having a wonderful time, I'm not looking at my watch, brother Lee. I kind of wish it would last longer. We had a powerful moment where, for the first time, a young man, Gen Zer, testified about how his mom was in stage four cancer and was supposed to die in October. And because we were talking about where, where do you see the Holy Spirit moving, and let's do, as we're continuing, come on folks, we're in the Holy Spirit challenge, where every day we wake up and say, good morning, Holy Spirit, and we look Throughout our days, where has the spirit moved? Cause come, cause, and that's why many times I refer to him as Jehovah Sneaky. Because sometimes I look back and say, oh, I didn't see you. He snuck that blessing in. So I have, to, I have to take a note and write it down. And so this young man is so encouraged that November, December, January, February, four months and his mom is still alive. And he testifies. And he's excited. And we all rejoice. And then, a few hours after that testimony, we see a message on our phones, those of us who are there, that his mom died. The same day he testifies, the same day he was like, yes, God. Say, wait, wait a minute, God, it's not, it's, it's not supposed to end this way. Where, where's the God? I wake up this morning and I see another message, one of our partners in her husband found out that his brother, I guess either today or yesterday, last yesterday was his brother was murdered in Haiti. So what where's the good? Where's the good? Over half a million people have lost their lives through COVID-19, including my dad. Where's the good? Where do I find good? Jeffrey asked me 
Jeffrey was leading the service. He asked me, how long have you been pastoring, Bishop? I said, I've been pastoring 20, going on 26 years now. Last year was my 25th year. It's supposed to be a time of celebration. This has been the worst year of pastoring in my life. Where do I find good? And a stunning thing about this young man's mom who passed away is that her last name is Brave. And she fought for four months to stay alive. For me, good would have been that night at the midnight hour while we were praying and he testified. What would have been great is that on the text, she got out of her coma and she's walking around the hospital like the, like the, the man who was lame in front of the, the temple and Peter and John says, silver and gold we don't have, but such we have will give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And wow, what a testimony would have, that would have been. If I were God, I was like, God, that would bring glory to your name. That would be good. We are traveling through the book of Isaiah in morning prayer. And the longer I live, Long I live, Elder Albert, the long I live, Elder Jenny, the long I live, Sister Elizabeth, the long I live, I realize that Isaiah was right in 55 where he says, my ways are not God's ways. <laughs> and then he, he, now I really get why God is so descriptive. He says, as high as the heavens above the earth, so are my ways above your ways. And what I'm thinking about this situation is far beyond what you're thinking. I've been, um, one of our members sent me a book um, that I've been traveling through with a small group. I've been traveling with them, but I was looking at, I've been looking through, it's called um, The Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Hopper, and hopefully you'll see the image here pretty soon. The very good gospel. And one of the things that struck me about this book, The Very Good Gospel, is that when the Bible says it was good, I had to look up what does God mean by good? And then Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord, to them who are called 
according to his purpose. And I discover that those two words of how God describes good and how I describe good is totally different. In, in the Hebrew mind, and you've got to remember the, the, the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, was written to a specific audience. And so we have to look culturally when, when a Jewish person was listening to the book of the law, that is Romans, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the Torah, you got to understand that they have a certain mindset when they hear certain words. That's why, for example, when I, you know, I was talking to somebody and I said, at a certain age, I stopped using slang because you may end up saying something to a young person that you mean one thing, but that slang word means another, and you can get yourself in trouble. Amen. And, and so uh, when, when, when the Jewish person, the children of Israel, when they were listening to the creation story saying, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, what good to the Jewish mind was it meant the well-being of the whole. It mean, when they say good, it means the ties of the relationship between things. What does that mean? Again, you need to understand that we as Americans have been influenced by, uh, and I don't mean to give a history lesson, but you need to understand that most of the way we look at life philosophically is through the Greek mindset, meaning Alexander the Great, what he, what he determined to do was to, 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 to release the Greek culture throughout the world. So even though the Romans uh, end up being world conquerors, all they did was take Greek things and, tr and, and really counterfeited them into uh, Latin or Roman things. For example, uh, the Greek god, uh, the Greeks' main god was Zeus. And so they just said, we're just going to call that Greek god um, Jupiter. Uh, the Greek god for love, I believe, is um, Diana. And they said, we're just going to call her Venus. And so my whole point is that there was a culture that was spread across, which, which, which is why, watch me, which is why the, the Greek uh, Jews and the Hebrew Jews, the Aramaic Jews, clashed in Acts chapter 6 because the Aramaic Jews looked at the Greek Jews and said, you have been tainted by the world because in the Greek mind, as long as I am good, it doesn't matter if anybody else is good. So if I'm a good student, but five other people are, are, are struggling, in the Greek mind, it means, well, I'm good. But in the Hebrew mind, it's saying, no, you're not good as long as everybody else is not doing good. And oh, are you hearing me, folks? And that's why when the church began and 3,000 people got saved, they under, the Jews understood that when God says good, it meant that the ties and relationships of everybody in the community was good so that 
when the church was birthed, people like Barnabas start, started selling their stuff so that everybody was good and not just the rich people. It's quiet in this church. So again, you're saying, okay, Bishop, so you're saying that where do we find good? It is the connection and the relationship and the tying of all things to God is what good is. Yes. So what does that have to do with a young man losing his mom? What does it have to do with a brother finding out that his brother was murdered? What, what, what does that, how, how, what are you talking about the time? I, I want to close with this and then I want to pick this up next week and with, with, with a couple of stories that I hope will help us to understand how God thinks how God thinks, how God thinks. When God looks at something, he, he doesn't look at something in one scene, in one episode, and says it's good. He looks at a season, a series, and that's why you, you, you really have to, the Bible says in Proverbs, every word of God is pure. And, and so I, when I realized God spoke to me that every word is pure, I always, as you know, I'm looking at the etymology of the word and what does it originally mean because I want to understand if God put it in the Bible, it must be very important. And so you, you must read the scripture. That's why many times I said people misquote Romans chapter 8, verse 28, because they say all things work together for good. That's not what it says. It says, and we know, and we know. You've got to know when, when tragedy hits, you have to know that God is going to work it for good. Notice, he doesn't say all things are good. It says all things work together for good. God has to make it work in such a broken world. I love the Jerusalem Bible. The Jerusalem Bible says it this way, and we know all things are conspired together for good. The, and I preached this message years ago. There's a conspiracy to bless you. The word conspire, for example, respire means to breathe again. Respire, that's what we call our respiratory system respire but this is not respire this is conspire means to breathe together what does it mean the bible speaks of god as the ruach of god the breath of god somehow god has the ability to take a broken piece here a broken piece here and broken piece here and through the power of the holy spirit bring all the pieces together and make it into a masterpiece where we can say like the writer in Psalm 119 verse 71 and 72, it was good for me that I had been afflicted that I had learned thy statutes. God has the ability to take broken pieces, 
broken experiences, tragic experiences, and breathe them together and make them work out for good, meaning to make them tie together, to make them to relate. And when you look at all the pieces come together, you say, oh my goodness, what a masterpiece. Only God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, can take mess and make it into a masterpiece so that nobody gets the glory but him. So let me close with this story in the Bible. You have this guy, Joseph, who has a dream at the age of 17. He's a teenager, 17. And the dream is the sun and moon and stars are going to bow down to him. Now, this is why you have to, you really have to hold on to the prophetic. Because the name Joseph means, may the Lord add to me. So every time they said Joseph, they're saying, may the Lord add to you. So for 17 years, he's hearing, may the Lord add to you. And then his brothers, in their jealousy, you know the story, but if you don't, it's good reading. Read, um, read uh, Genesis chapter um, 38 onward. Sorry, 39 onward. So one day his brothers get so jealous, they rip off his beautiful garment coat and they throw him in a pit. They sell him off to slavery, to the Egyptians, another country, away from his family. They perpetrate a conspiracy that he was killed by a, a wild beast. They, put, they tear up his, his jacket. They put blood on it. And they tell his father, who loved him and doted on him and considered him a favor, his favorite, that your favorite son is dead. And Joseph is now in Potiphar's house, an Egyptian captain in the Egyptian, in the Egyptian army, and he's in Potiphar's house as a slave. But the Bible says in Genesis 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. In the midst of being sold out by his brothers into slavery, and we've been hearing a lot about slavery, so we can, we can at least get a sense. My brothers sold me out, but the Lord was still with Joseph. And he's in Potiphar's house handling business. And then he's trying to live for God. And many of you know the story. Miss Potiphar comes and she wants Joseph to commit um, adultery with her. 
And Joseph says no, and because of his relationship with God, he says, yep, I may be, I may be sold out as a slave. I may be in a, in a situation that's horrible, but I can't do this wicked thing against God. And because he doesn't have adultery, commit adultery with Mrs. Potiphar, she lies on him and says he committed attempted rape and therefore Joseph was went from Potiphar's house to jail. Now, just as an aside, I know that Mr. Potiphar, he, he believed Joseph. Why? Because if Joseph, as a slave, rarely attempted to rape his wife, Joseph would have been killed. He was property. He was a slave. But they threw him in jail. Now notice, folks, his name means, may the Lord add. But the Lord seems to be subtracting. He is in, he's a slave, and now he goes from a slave to a prisoner. I mean, God, we're going in the wrong direction. How many, have you ever been in a situation where it seems like your prophetic word and destiny and the promises of God are going in the wrong direction? <laughs> and I believe God sometimes said, I'm making it worse so that when I work it out, you will be so humbled Deuteronomy chapter 8 talks about, I put you in the wilderness so that you would know that man will not live by bread alone, but everywhere that proceeds out of the house. I'm, I'm, I'm putting you in the world to humble you. So now Joseph is in prison, and yet the scripture says again, but the Lord was with Joseph. And because of that, the Lord showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the prison keeper. And then, of course, we know that Joseph interprets the dreams for the butler and the waiter. And, and of course, unfortunately, the waiter gets killed, but he says uh, the butler gets killed, but the, bake, uh, the baker gets killed, but the butler uh, uh, gets out of jail just as Joseph prophesied. And Joseph said, when you get up, when, when you get back to serving Pharaoh the king as the butler, remember me. And the Bible says he was forgotten for two years. Talk about from bad to worse to worse to worse. And then Pharaoh has a dream. He doesn't know what the dream is. Doesn't know what it means. There's five, uh, uh, there's seven large cows that are fat. And then there's seven skinny cows, and the skinny cows eat up the fat cows, and, and he doesn't know what it means. And then the butler says, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. King, I remember that I met this Hebrew boy, or man now, who, who can interpret dreams. They get him. Pharaoh says, get him quickly, and God moves so quickly, turned things so around so fast that Joseph wasn't even dressed for the occasion. They had to shave him and, 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 and change his clothes, and immediately, just like that, instantly, he goes from prison to palace. 
And he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh says powerful words in Genesis, Genesis chapter 41, verse 38. I'll read it. He says, and Pharaoh said, not the butler, not every, Pharaoh said, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Just like that, Joseph goes from a convicted rapist, falsely convicted falsely convicted, and now he is prime minister. He goes from a prisoner to prime minister, the second most powerful man in the country. And you may say, well, Bishop, all right, that's a nice fairy tale. Okay, I won't call it a fairy tale because it's the word of God. But, okay, I see the good, I guess, but why... Why did God put him in part of cells? In part of cells, Joseph learned how to financially run part of cells. Mm. The word, look it up for yourself. The word economy literally means household stewardship. And so God was training Joseph in part of his house because he says, if you can run the house, you can run the country. <laughs> well, why did God throw him in prison? Uh, why did God allow him to go to prison but worked out for good? Remember, Joseph for years had dreams, but he didn't learn how to interpret dreams Till he was in prison. What is God trying to teach you while you're in the prison of your circumstances? And you may say, all right. So now he knows how to run part of his house, economy, and now he knows how to interpret dreams. But what about the fact that the butler forgot him? Let me appeal to your logic. So, so can I appeal to your logic? Let me appeal to your logic. Let's say the butler comes out and says, Pharaoh, there's this Jewish guy who was put in there in prison unfairly. And Pharaoh says, yep, get him out. Do you think that when Joseph got out of jail, prison, do you think he would have been going into the palace? Pharaoh would have simply say, all right, you can go back home to your family, which would have been nice to go back. He, all jo <laughs> I can run around the church. All Joseph would have been was a free man. But God said, no, I'm going to keep you in jail two more years because in two years, Pharaoh's going to need you. And instead of getting out free, you're going to get out promoted. Then God is like, because see, Joseph, you're going to give Pharaoh the advice that's going to not only save Egypt, but save your family. 
Because my plan is that your family, are you hearing this? Your family will enter into Egypt as a family, but they're going to leave as a nation. And so at 17, Joseph does not see the good workout until he's 30 years old. He doesn't see his brothers bow down like he dreamed until he's 39. 22 years. 22 years. Before God took all the pieces and made them relate and tied them together for good. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. But whatever you're going through, I don't know how God is going to work the death of this young man's mom. I don't know how he's going to tie it together. But I do know that in the end, that young man, my guess is he's probably about 22, 23. But someday, if the Lord tarries and spares his life, he may be 42, 43. And he's going to look back and he's going to see how God, though God did not want to take his mom, God worked it out for something good. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I don't know what you're going through. I know there's some individuals in our church who actually had and have COVID-19. There are some who may have lost their jobs. There are some, no, there are a lot who are suffering with depression and in the anguish of their pain they feel like they can quote the words of Jesus the words that Jesus quoted on the cross Psalm 22 my God my God why have you forsaken me and I'm here to tell you you are not alone the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is with you. And God is using his Holy Spirit, the person. You don't have a thing with you. You have a person. And he is breathing, conspiring, putting things together for the purpose of God in your life. My prayer for you right now, wherever you are, I'm going to pray that the Lord will sustain you like he sustained Joseph until you see the big picture of what God is doing in your life. The Bible says because of who Jesus was, Jesus could see the end from the beginning and so we catch a picture of Jesus' mindset as he's going through the cross in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, who for the joy that was set before him, 
meaning that he saw the joy of brothers and sisters coming to Jesus Christ. He endured the cross because he saw the joy. And I'm praying right now, Father, I pray for every teenager. I pray for every Gen Zer. I pray for every millennial. I pray for uh, uh, Gen, Gen Xers and baby boomers and baby build and Burtman builders. Anybody who is under the sound of my voice, I, I pray that 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 you will first and foremost let that person know you are not alone. You are not alone. I am with you. In fact, the only reason why they have not lost their minds is because you have been with them. You've been with them with, when, when groceries came unexpectedly, you were with them. That was a sign. When, when a bill was paid unexpectedly, you were with them. Lord, you, you were doing miracles behind the scene, and I pray, Father, for the little things, for the little things, even if it's not the way we want it to be, for the little things, help us to give thanks. Help us to say, yes, Lord, we praise you, we glorify you, because you're good. I pray, Father, I pray right now, I pray right now, there's somebody under the sound of my voice that they're sensing your presence in their room, your, your presence in their house, your presence in their car, your, your presence in the bathroom while they're weeping and saying, how, how can this happen to me? Wherever they are right now, envelop them with your presence, with your presence, where they're able to say, no, no, this is, this is more than just this guy up on the stage speaking. I, I, I feel the atmosphere, I feel the room, I feel the space I'm in changing. Maybe this is the Holy Spirit that he's talking about. And my answer to you is, yes, that's him. It's him. It's him. You may say, well, what should I do seeing that he's, seeing that I feel him? Tell him exactly how you feel. Tell him exactly what's on your heart because he cares. Jesus cares. Jesus cares. Another thing I want you to tell him, if you've never met, if you never asked Jesus to come into your heart, tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm asking Jesus to come into my heart right now. Yep, you can repeat these words. I admit, Jesus, that I'm a sinner. And all that means is, you can repeat that, all that means is, is that Jesus does not live in my heart. But Jesus, you said in your word, in Romans chapter 10, if you get a chance, you can read it, whoever calls on your name shall be saved. I need rescuing, Jesus. So Jesus, because you died for my sins, rose again from the grave come into my heart come into my heart and make me a child of God Jesus I thank you for hearing that prayer and right now I know I'm a child of God and you're making everything in my life work out for good If you gave your life to Christ, 
before you felt the presence of the Lord in your space and you're saying I want more prayer please go to our Zoom rooms there's Zoom private rooms for prayer you'll get some instructions uh, after I speak and make sure you go in and there are people waiting in the Zoom room to pray for you to, that you'll have the strength to see God tie things for good. Even in the midst of your pain, I am not discrediting your pain. I'm not discrediting your, 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 your tragedy. I'm not, ex I'm not discrediting any of that. What I am saying is that God has the ability. You will see in the end him tie it all together relationally that it will make sense and you'll say thank you Lord you're a good good father let me bless you right now I'm going to bless you differently I'm going to bless you using the words of the apostle Paul in 2nd Corinthians chapter 13 verse 14 now may the love of Father God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Never feel alone because the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you always. In Jesus' name. Be blessed to the Lord.